This morning we start a new sermon series that I'm calling Stop Overthinking It, and it's because we overthink things all the time, amen? Oh, come on. Amen? Amen. Yes, we do. We all overthink it. If you're not an overthinker, you can be dismissed now because the rest of us all realize how easy it is to overthink things and how often it happens in our lives. We're going to be looking at the book of Revelation, and we're looking at the seven churches in Revelation. However, this morning is an introduction, and I'm not choosing something from Revelation. I'm choosing it from the book of Colossians, which is Paul's letter to a church that was overthinking things. And I thought that's a good way to introduce it, to take a passage of Scripture that just simply talks about how we tend to ruminate on things we shouldn't. My text is Colossians chapter 3, verses 1 through 4. If you have your smartphones and you'd like to turn to a Bible app, or if you have your Bibles, turn to them. Listen as I read these verses as Paul writes this letter. He says, If you then have been raised with Christ, seek the things that are above where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on the things that are above, not on the things that are on earth. For you have died, and your life is hidden with Christ. When Christ, who is your life, appears, then you also will appear with him in glory. Yes, we are beginning a sermon series, and we're calling it Stop Overthinking It. I tried to think of a symbol for that, and I talked to members of our staff, and it was very easy. We came up with a stop sign, a universal sign. So we asked if we could get a stop sign, and we had a stop sign that somebody had and was donated to be used during this next two months. And the person brought the stop sign in and said, be careful, Pastor Stan, the stop sign has ragged edges on it. So I had thought of putting the stop sign outside, but I didn't want kids to get hurt on it. So then I started thinking, well, maybe I should attach the stop sign to the building somehow, so maybe we could put it on the windows. And then I thought, well, no, if I put it on the windows, it would probably fall down. So maybe I should bring it into the sanctuary. So I brought it into the sanctuary, and I put it on a music stand, and I started thinking about if it was on the music stand, the worship team would probably bang into it, and it would fall over. So then I decided that I probably needed to do something else. So I called Darren Brown. Thank you, Darren. He made a beautiful stand that we put it on, and then I had it in front, and I thought, no, if I put it in front, somebody could get hurt on it, so I better put it behind. But then I thought, the sermon series called Stop Overthinking It. It's not just called Stop, so I started thinking, should I put overthinking on it? But if I put overthinking on it, the word stop is kind of low. People might not see the overthinking of it. So then I started thinking, maybe what I should do is I should put up another sign that says overthinking, and all of a sudden I stopped, because I was overthinking it. So we're going with a simple sign, stop. And that's ultimately what I hope we hear the next two months. When we start doing what Pastor Stan did, stop. Hear that? It's that simple. You're all dismissed. We all do it. We know that because 2,000 years ago, the Apostle Paul wrote a letter to the Colossians, and there was the Colossian problem. Do you know what their problem was? Faith can't be so simple. There's got to be more to it. So they started thinking about it. And they started creating rules. And they started adding onto the rules other rules. And so if you read through the letter, you'll discover that they start arguing about and obsessing over things like what they eat. 
I know I have to have faith, but can I eat these certain things? And what about can I drink? And where can I buy foods? And should I buy these foods? And is it okay to buy those foods? And oh, by the way, there's these religious festivals. Some of them are Roman festivals. Some of them are Jewish festivals. We're Christians now, but we were formerly Jews. Some of us came from pagan culture. Should we participate in these? And the Apostle Paul basically said, stop it. Trust in Jesus, period. All of that stuff that we do, we do. My brother one time asked a Greek Orthodox priest, he said, if Jesus came into this world to get rid of all of these rules and regulations and give us a simple, basic relationship with God, where we just trust and we have a relationship with God, why has the church added all these things back? And his friend, the priest, didn't miss a beat. He said, oh, we got it right this time. Wrong. We just do that as human beings. We just think and obsess, and we add our own stuff in our life, in our church, all over the places. Now, I'm going to give you a definition of overthinking. I know the definition is right, because I went to Google, and I typed in the word overthinking, and this came up. So I have, for my credit here, Google search. I have no idea who said this, but I like the definition. It says, overthinking is a habit of applying analytical thinking and problem-solving in a situation where it is unhelpful and unproductive. It's a good definition, isn't it? When overthinking becomes a consistent part of your life, it can lead to stress, anxiety, depression, relationship conflict, and many other problems. So you're sitting there going, oh, I'm not alone. Darn tootin' right you're not alone. It is the American problem. We just spin stuff around in our heads, and it's not helpful. That's why Paul starts his letter to the Colossians, as he starts so many of his letters, with the solution. It's right there, right at the beginning. Chapter 1, verse 3. Simple word, gratitude. When you obsess and overthink stuff, pray a prayer of gratitude. Works every time. Gets us out of ourselves and gets us focused on God. Paul starts his letter this way. We always thank God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, when we pray for you. Want to quit overthinking things? Pray a prayer of gratitude. When you're obsessed with something that's negative that's down here, that's in your life, look out there and say, God, I thank you for this beautiful day that you've given to me. Or, God, I thank you that this isn't such a beautiful day, but you're going to give me a beautiful day next week. Give thanks for your health. Give thanks for your family. Just give thanks. It gets us out of all of that other stuff that spins around in our head. Then as he continues in this letter, in chapter 2, verse 8, he stated the problem. The recipients of his letter were overthinking. So he says these words, see to it that no one takes you captive by philosophy and empty deceit according to human tradition. Hear that? Quit letting the stuff of this world get in your mind. Because the world is full of philosophies. We don't have to buy into it. The world is full of ideas. and ar- Have you noticed people argue out there? Anybody? Am I alone here? Have you noticed that? Yeah, there's a lot of argument going on. There's a lot of people who think, I'm right, you're wrong, he's wrong, I'm right, but all of that stuff. Paul says, let go of all of that stuff. That is not of Christ. We are not called and asked as Christians to be no better than just a different version of what goes on in our world. We're asked to live a different life, and we're going to talk about that this morning. Because you see, these humans' thoughts 
left the Christians that Paul wrote to spinning in their heads. Because once you go down that rabbit hole, you just keep going. And that's what happens to Christians. That happens to everybody. Once we start thinking and obsessing, no matter what, we never solve it. So in the first century, they had this problem. wasn't really a problem because, remember, the solution is live by faith and let it go. Just make your decision and move on. But what happened is the early Christians found out that they got a better deal on meat if they bought it from the people who sacrificed meat to idols than if they went to the local grocer. So we kind of have the same thing today. You know, if you go to Walmart, you might get one price. If you go to Market Basket, you might get another price. If you go to Stop and Shop, you could get a different price. Might even go to Roach Brothers and go see my friend Dave there and go get something at the bakery and then go buy some food or some fish or some meat. Well, in the first century, it was a little different than that because there were the places that would sell the meat and it has just been butchered to be meat. And there were other places that were for the pagan gods, but they had meat left over. So people got a better price. So somebody would come home and they'd say, honey, I got a good price on the meat today. And the spouse would say, where'd you get it? Well, I got it down by the temple. Well, you shouldn't have done that. Well, why shouldn't I have done that? And they see what happens. And they started thinking and arguing and, and trying to figure it out. And then Paul says, you've gone so far, chapter 2, verses 21 and 22, that you go into do not handle, do not taste, do not even touch. See what happens? Once you start going and adding stuff to your faith, once you start thinking that there's more, it never ends. Oh, I shouldn't buy it, but that means I shouldn't touch it. But what if I accidentally bumped into somebody else who happened to be buying meat from that market? Nutsy stuff. Sounds silly, but we do the same things, don't we? We just do it our way. We just find the stuff that we obsess over. I can't believe what they said. I can't believe what they thought. I can't believe what they didn't think. We do it all the time to ourselves. And we start spinning on this stuff just like the early Christians did and the people that Paul wrote to. All the things that we lead, we overthink, make us spin in our own minds. That's why to get ready for this message yesterday, kind of late in the day, I sent a Facebook post and I just said, hey, I'm preaching on overthinking. What are some things that you or others overthink? I said, just make it short. Listen to all the things that people said. Issues with my kids, finances, finances, procrastination, the past, guilt, shame, how to respond to Facebook posts. Great, now I'm going to be overthinking all the things I can't overthink. Physical appearance, my faith, COVID, pandemic, government mandates, personal choice in health and education for my kids. Don't get me started. Maybe what others are thinking but not saying. I like this one, everything. I'm overthinking this question, one pers person said. I overthink how I've handled the situation. I overthink tomorrow. I overthink parenting. I overthink money, always money. I overthink retirement. I overthink balancing having enough money to retire with enjoying today. Let me read two more. I overthink what to cook for dinner. Life. Get it? We do just like the early Christians. The gospel message can't be that simple. 
You mean all I have to do is put my faith and trust in Jesus Christ and I'm forgiven and I can live a happy life? Yep, that's what it is. You mean all the stuff that I get obsessed with and bothered by and think that I can solve, I don't have to worry about solving? Yeah, you just give it to God. You don't have to solve it. In fact, thinking about it and obsessing over it, I guarantee you one thing, you may make it worse, but you will not make it better. That's the problem with overthinking. That's why we are invited to live a life of faith. Jesus died, buried, rose again. We celebrate that, and now we trust him. And now when those things start coming up to us, we give them to God, and we live a life of peace. That's what we're called to. We're called to a life of peace, of wholeness, of trusting that the Holy Spirit is leading us and leading others. So starting today for eight weeks, we're going to focus on slowing down our brains and living by faith. And we hope to remember one word, stop. Stop. When we start overthinking things, when we start obsessing over things, stop. And if we learn nothing else during this time, if we don't know anything else to do, when we stop, pray a prayer of gratitude. And if that didn't work, pray another prayer of gratitude. And if that didn't work, pray another prayer of gratitude. This morning you can pray and you can say, Dear God, what a beautiful day you've given to me. And you'll sit there and go, But it isn't really a beautiful day. I really liked it better when it was hot yesterday. So here's your prayer. Dear God, thank you that my pastor doesn't like hot days and he's enjoying today. <laughs> See? You can always find something to be grateful for. Stop. Stop. It's a choice. Do you know that? It is a choice. You get to choose what goes on in your brain. I don't get to choose it for you. You get to choose it. I get to choose what's going on in my brain, and you get to choose what you're going to think about. Paul says it right here in verse 1. If then you have been raised with Christ, seek the things that are above where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. In other words, he's saying, since then. Since you are a Christian. Since we have faith in Christ. Since we know that Jesus died and was raised on our behalf and we are part of God's kingdom, now we get to choose to think Christian thoughts. Wow! I don't have to think about all the other stuff. I can think about the stuff that God wants me to think of. You see, do I control my thoughts or do my thoughts control me is a basic question for every Christian. And the answer is, I control my thoughts. When those negative things start spinning around, when I start getting worried about things that I shouldn't be worried about, I can always think a godly thought. Thank you for my family. Thank you for my health today. Thank you that I can talk to you today. Thank you for being God and being in control even when things don't make any sense to me. A number of years ago, I was on vacation. Regina and I, when we go on vacation, we usually go to Arizona. And one of the nice things about Arizona is because of the time change, I can go to worship on Sunday morning, I can get up to bus and get on an airplane, can fly out west, and because of the time changes, you know, get on the plane at 1 o'clock, take a direct flight to Phoenix, even though I've been in the airline for, I don't know, 27 hours. It's only like an hour later when I get there because of all the time change. It's great. By the end of the day, we're pretty tired our first day, but we always have a nice first day. And it was my first day on vacation. I'd been in worship that morning and I was gonna have an awesome two weeks in Arizona. And so what do I do before I go to bed? I pick up my cell phone and I read my text messages 
and right there was somebody who criticized me for something that had happened in the worship service that morning. Now, get you, I'm not going to be back in church for two weeks. I didn't sleep. I was miserable. The next day, I obsessed over it. Then I kept thinking about it. Then probably about day three, I realized it was destroying my vacation because there really wasn't anything I could do. I couldn't go talk to the person until I got back here, and it dawned on me. I chose to read the text. Get that? We get to make the choice. Paul says, if you, Pastor Stan, have been raised with Christ, take the cell phone and throw it away when you go on vacation. It's right there in the text. It says the same thing to you. If you have been raised with Christ and you're a Christian, you don't have to obsess over those things that bother you. You don't have to be thinking about them. It's your choice to think about them. And if you choose to think about them, don't think you're going to make them better because that ain't faith. Faith is giving them to God and not thinking about them and getting on with your life. Amen? That's what faith is. Paul is pointing out to the Colossian Christians that they have a choice. It's interesting. The word seek, it's a command. It's commanded of them. That's what I like about the Greek language. That's why sometimes we do little word studies here. Unlike in English, where you kind of have to look at the context to figure out what the person is really saying, that's not true with Greek. It's an older language, and so you can tell by the way a verb is constructed what tense the verb is, and this is a command. He's not suggesting it. He's not telling us it's option, optional for us. He is commanding us. He says, seek the things that are above. Do it. Don't think about it. Do it. Unfortunately, our heads are like a parking garage. And we park or let people park all kinds of stuff in there. A couple weeks ago, my nephew and I decided to go to Boston. We hadn't been together for quite some time, and now he had his vaccination, and I'd had mine, and we decided we we're going to go out to dinner together. So we meet and we go, and we park a car in a parking garage in Boston. Unfortunately, when it's the night that the Celtics play, the parking rates go way sky high, even though it was only the first day that the Celtics were back. However, nobody was going to go to the Celtics game because you really couldn't get very many people in the Celtics anyhow. And even though the parking garage was going to be empty, the owner of the parking garage didn't care. He was still going to charge the same rates they always charge when it's time for the Celtics to play. So we pull into the parking garage, and the guy says to us, $44. We look at each other, and my nephew says, Uncle Stan, let's just split the $44 and have a nice evening and go out to eat. So we did. We parked in an empty parking garage for $44. How much are you charging? How much are you charging? You know that person you're obsessing over? Have you gone to them and say, you know, I'm thinking about you all the time. I'd like $44. Do you know what they're going to tell you? Keep your thoughts to yourself. I'd rather not take space in your head. You know that thing that happened at work that you're obsessed over? Has your boss paid you $44? The Apostle Paul says we get to choose. We get to choose whether we want that stuff parked in our head. Now the scripture reminds us that in the fact that it's a choice, we can choose something different. And that's why the second thing about stop is stop. It's a location. It is a location. 
what we think about and where we choose to put our thoughts has a location somewhere. Think about it. You don't just think about things. You think about people. You think about places. You think about situations. And they all have some human destiny out here. And that's what messes our brains. And so Paul says in verse 2, set your minds on things above, not the things that are on earth. Let's read that again. Set your mind on things that are above, not the things that are on earth. Now you're going to get it. This time you're going to fill in the blank. Set your minds on things... We're going to say that again. Set your mind on things above, not the things of this earth. Here Paul lets us know that we need to choose where our heads should be. On things above, not things on this earth. Paul was talking to a culture that devalued people, and he called it idolatry. Meaning, when we get ourselves obsessed with all this worldly junk, that's called an idol. Do you realize that? If you make something so important that you obsess over it, it's an idol, and it's there instead of God. Instead of being focused on your relationship with God, you're focusing on that thing. Paul says that's idolatry. So we look at idols and we think, oh, those are funny little statues that people used to put on their mantle. No, idolatry is the things that we give too much credence to, and we make them too important, and we make them the things that we obsess over and we think about all the time, and Paul says, that, folks, is idolatry. That's why we need to do the same thing. When we get caught up in negative things and negative thoughts, we need to pause and think, wait a second, is this a godly thing that I'm thinking about? Let's give an example. We send out a text message. We don't get an answer. But I sent that text message, but I didn't get an answer. Well, they don't have read receipts on. If they would only have read receipts, I'd know that they had answered. Oh, but on the other hand, I saw those little bubbles go. When I sent that text message, I thought those bubbles go, so I know that person saw it. I know what they're thinking. I know why they didn't get back to me. They're upset with me. No, you don't know what they're thinking. You're not in their brain. You're thinking secular worldly thoughts at that point. And Paul says, stop thinking secular worldly thoughts. Stop thinking about this stuff and choose a different location. Choose to put our focus where our focus will be. That's why I love the hymn that says, when we've been there 10,000 years, I always like to think about this. How am I going to feel about this 10,000 years from now? Do you know what I discover with everything I'm upset about? I'm not going to think about it 10,000 years from now. I'm going to be praising Jesus. Amen? But when we choose a location that puts us on the things of this earth, it messes us up, just like it did with Paul. He's writing to the Colossians, and he goes, you people are obsessed about festivals. They're not even going to know these festivals when they read this letter 2,000 years from now. You're worrying about meat? People don't care what you eat. If you want to eat the meat, eat the meat. If you don't want to eat the meat, don't eat the meat. It's up to you. Because you see, we are free in Christ. For freedom, Christ has set us free. Therefore, do not be caught again in the bonds of slavery, we're told in the scriptures. But we make ourselves slaves when we succumb to all the stuff. A number of years ago, when Regina and I were on our honeymoon, somebody told us something interesting that we decided to try. We only tried it one time. They said, did you know that you can cook a meal on the manifold of your car? 
So we were all excited. We're going on our honeymoon, and we, we had it all planned to cook a meal on the manifold of our car. The only thing we didn't know is we didn't know anything about New England traffic because we're a bunch of Midwestern hicks. So on our way back to Ohio, I think we're somewhere in Connecticut, and we decided to stop at the, the um, gas station, the little service station, and this was when we were going to cook our meal. Because we had a, had a half an hour between wherever we were and the next place we are going to stop. We knew that. That's what the sign said, 30 miles. So we're like, okay, this will be good. We had all of our foil and put everything together, made our nice little meal, and we stuck it on the manifold of the car. We got back on the highway, and the traffic stopped. And we sat there. And we sat there. And we moved, and then we sat there again. And we kept thinking, and... What should we do? Should we get out of the car? Should we get the food off? And now we could smell it. it smelled good at first. <laughs> Until it didn't. About two hours later, we made that half-hour trip from one stop to the next. And by the time we were getting ready to pull off, don't you know we discovered what the traffic jam was? There was an accident on the other side of the highway, not even on the side we were on. Everybody, as they were driving along, was stopping and looking at the other side, going, oh, there's something that's not my business. I think I will obsess over it for a while and make a pastor, future pastor and his wife miserable behind me because their food is going to burn. We get to the service station, we pull it out, and we have soggy, burnt honeymoon meal. Life is like that, isn't it? We obsess with things in the wrong location. We obsess with stuff over there that's none of our business anyhow, and we just mess everything up. It all just burns and turns into a soggy, burnt mess. Because that's what we do our, with ourselves when we don't live as Christians. When we live with a higher calling and realize to stay in our lane and just live our life, we don't have to worry about what's happening on the other direction going that way. We focus on what God calls us to do, and we put our focus on higher things where God calls us to put our focus. Then we discover that life is great. Amen? But when we focus on all the other stuff, it is a location and we choose not to focus on the things of God, but things that we have no business thinking about and obsessing about and worrying about anyhow, because they're all the things that we should be turning over to Jesus, our life becomes like that meal that I don't think we ever ate. Because you see, stop, it's a choice, and it's also a location. But here's the beautiful thing. When we get ourselves consumed with stuff that we shouldn't be consumed with, remember this. Stop, it's a reality. That's the problem. There is a reality that is true, but we choose realities that aren't true. Verses 3 and 4, Paul says this, You've died. That's good news. And your life is now hidden with Christ. When Christ, who is your life, appears, then you will also appear with him in glory. Again, let me explain the verbs that are being used here. An aorist tense means something happened and now it's over. Got that? It's an aorist tense. Something happened and now it's done. Over, done, happened. Give you one. My grandson was born. Done. He's not going to be born again. Not going to go in and, you know, we're not going to have eight, 18 other births. Got it? He was born. That refers to something that happened. We know it happened. 
The second tense that gets used in this is a perfect tense. It is something that's happening that will continue to happen. It's different. So now let's go with the aorist tense, something that's over. You died. Paul says it, you died. You know that stuff that you're worried about? You died to that. You know those thoughts that bother you? You died to that. Gone, done, over. Done, finished. Got it? Done, dead. You know those things that we worry about in life? We're dead to that. We're like, but wait a second, I'm not dead to it. No, you're choosing not to be dead to it, and choosing to act as if it has power in our life, but Paul says it doesn't. We're dead to that. We died. We died with Christ. All of the sin and the negative stuff in our life, all of the negative thoughts that we choose to bring back, those are gone. We do not have to live that way. However, the present tense, something that's happening and continues to happen, your life is hidden in Christ. You're a Christian. I'm a Christian. I'm a citizen of heaven. I get to have a relationship with the guy who created it all. That's who I am. And that's not only who I am today. That's who I am tomorrow. That's who I am six years from now, 100 years from now, and 1,000 years from now. But the key here is he doesn't just say you're, hit, you're in Christ. He says you're hidden in Christ. That means you don't always see it. And I don't always see it. And then what happens is the non-reality becomes our reality, and we focus on all the negative, crappy, junky stuff that's like that burnt, soggy meal, and we obsess over that, and we don't have to, and we live. You know when you used to go out as kids and you'd pick up a rock, and all that little slimy, junky stuff is under the rock? That's what we choose to obsess over, and Paul says we don't have to do that because we're citizens of heaven. And we get to choose that reality, to live according to that reality. The stuff that bothers us, we've died to it. Now we can claim what seems hidden. This is ultimately why we can stop overthinking things. Because we confuse the reality with our own negative thoughts. Hear that? We confuse what's true about us with the way in which we choose to put ourselves down and in a different way. Yes, it's a choice, and it's a location, but it's a reality that finishes the deal for us. It's a reality that we are God's children. We have been bought with a price, that we are holy creatures. So stuff that we get involved with, it's all yucky and slimy. We choose to do that, and we don't have to because we live according to a higher calling. That got me thinking about one of my favorite game shows. Deal or no deal. Unfortunately, it's not on TV anymore, other than in reruns. But in deal and no deal, they had suitcases. They didn't have folders, but this morning we're going to do it with a folder. And a person would hold the suitcase. And there are all these suitcases that are up on stage, and the person got to, of course, choose one suitcase. And as the game went along, you knew that they had their suitcase, that one suitcase, and there was something in the suitcase, but it was hidden. But the fact that it was hidden didn't change that it was there. It was still what it was. Can we agree on that? During the, whole, during the whole game, whatever was in that suitcase was in that suitcase. And now as the game goes along, you get to the end of the game and you're hoping for a conclusion where maybe it's going to be $10 or a million dollars in the suitcase because that makes it a real fun ending to the game. But you never know what's in the suitcase. And you're watching the game, and you're hoping, and you're thinking about it, and so is a person who's playing the game. Here's the difference. 
Paul doesn't say our life is hidden in Christ and we don't know what's in the suitcase. He says our life is hidden in Christ and we do know what's in the suitcase. He explains it. You've died and your life is hidden with Christ. And when Christ, who is your life, appears, then you will also appear with him in glory. You see, what is unveiled to us is something a whole lot better than a million dollars. You're a resident of heaven. That's who you are. You're a resident of heaven. That is a reality beyond anything that we can even comprehend. Why can we stop obsessing over the things of this world? Because we are not of this world. We live in this world, and we love people, and we love the things around us, but it does not need to consume us. Because as residents of heaven, when those negative, awful thoughts start coming into our minds and those things that that we choose to think about get us discouraged or frustrated, it's our choice that we're choosing to look at the stuff that's dead rather than stuff that's alive of who we belong to and where our ultimate residency is. And Paul doesn't just say that our life is hidden with Christ and that one day we'll be a resident of heaven. We're resident of heaven right now. That's who we are. We live and we reign with Christ. And when we choose to think about the things that are good things and healthy things and positive things and we get stuck on something that's negative and we choose to say a prayer of gratitude to God, that's because we're talking to our Heavenly Father who loves us and made us residents of heaven with him. Amen? Why can we quit overthinking things? Because we realize, like Paul did 2,000 years ago, it's a choice. And it's a location. We don't have to keep thinking about the stuff that we're not going to solve in this world anyhow. All that stuff we turn over to God. And most important, it's a reality. It's who you are. It's learning to live according to who we are as Christians. And trusting that the Holy Spirit will continue to work in our lives. That when we don't see ourselves that way, and we see ourselves as a shut-up suitcase, and all we see is the outside that we remember always what's on the inside. I pray this week as we begin our series of stop, especially stop overthinking it, that we can realize that there is a solution. But the solution is not thinking harder and doing more of the same things that is getting us frustrated and discouraged. Albert Einstein had something to say about that. He said, insanity is doing the same thing over and over and expecting different results. However, when we choose to remember that we are God's children and choose to think and live accordingly when those other things come into our life, little bit by little bit, we start living into that new reality and our lives continue to get better. As you leave this morning after our closing song, we do have some little stick-it notes that we're going to give to you, little post-it notes that are little stop signs. There's enough for each week. And each week, if there's something you need to stop overthinking, we just invite you to write it on that post-it note and put it up somewhere. If somebody is watching our service and is not here in person and would like to get them, just put it in the text box and let us know or email the office at office at faithcommunityma.com. We'd be happy to get them sent out to you. But our prayer is that we can understand in these weeks ahead the thoughts that God wants to replace instead of getting consumed with all that negative stuff that pulls us down. Let us pray. 
Heavenly Father, we thank you for your love and your grace and your goodness. We thank you that you are God and that we can trust you, that faith means that we can give to you the things that bother us and consume us and hurt us. And we pray that starting today, we could remember that we are residents of heaven. We could remember that so much of the stuff that consumes us is temporary stuff of this world. And we're not going to solve it anyhow, but we can give it to you. And we can choose to put our mind where it should be, focusing on the things of you, in whose name we pray. Amen.